Welcome everybody inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Mark Allison here once again with my man Justin Quinn. We are here. This is a, a nice Wednesday morning. Happy Halloween, everybody. The Red Sox just won the World Series. The Celtics are coming off a pair of wins against the Pistons. Uh, Justin, what's going on, my man? Well, I am uh, considerably more optimistic about this team's final regular season record than I was a week ago. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, definitely a little sluggish start there, but they're certainly rounding into form. We've got the best defense in the league. Um, I don't think that's uh, a, a shock to anybody. I mean, if everyone think we thought we'd be in that position, but I'm glad it's rounding out a couple weeks into the season here. Um, so quickly on the Red Sox, um, winning their ninth World Series. Uh, Boston, the parade is this morning. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend that, but that's all right. I'm sure some of the Celtics will be there, uh, being as that we were in town last night. Um, we got Gordon Hayward saying the Celtics are next. What are you, uh, thoughts on that, Justin? I'm skeptical. Well, I'm skeptical because even if the Celtics do win the title, uh, the Patriots are up next, actually. Because oh, fair, first, fair. So, okay, good point. Uh, so, so he's mistaken one way or the other. <laughs> but um, so uh, Red Sox, um, you know, a lot of comparisons between the uh, coaching or in the baseball, the, the manager, Alex Cora, to uh, Brad Stevens. Um, both good dudes that everybody likes, but also two different guys that seem to know when to push the right button. Uh, Cora was uh, a master uh, for the Red Sox throughout the playoffs. Uh, everything he did seemed to work out. Um, we kind of get that from Stevens with the Celtics. Uh, you know, even though even the years when we, we didn't quite have the contending team, it seemed like every time he does something, it works. Uh, I mean, I'm, obviously, I know that's not really the case, but he's certainly right more often than he's wrong. Any thoughts on that, Justin? So, I know you're not a big baseball guy here, but uh. I mean I'm just not a baseball guy. I, I know less about baseball than I do about probably even golf, to be honest. And <laughs> if anyone wants to kill me for that, I'm sorry. I'm just not a baseball guy. But when I've been hearing these comparisons between Cora and Stevens, one of the things that comes to mind is Brad is known for his coaching wizardry. And I I don't really like I mean I know like putting who up when and having who pitch for how long, like stuff like that. Um, that that's a strategy, but like, is there any kind of like a signature strategy that Cora has that you compare to say like Brad Stevens as timeout plays? Well, he, he did some unconventional things in these post in this postseason. Um, so a lot of guys, um, there's, you know, there's, there's kind of this thing with uh, pitchers, a starting pitcher pitches, and then he gets four days rest before he pitches again, which is why every team has five starters. And that's how it works out throughout the regular season and generally in the postseason. Um, Then there's, you know, there's also guys that are willing to pitch on shorter rest and and guys that were, you know, the the pitch on three days rest or, you know, especially in the playoffs, you know, when big games come up. Um, and, And I think what Cora did that was different than that he was willing. It was all hands on deck almost every single night in the playoffs. And um, we, the the Red Sox struggled throughout the season with their bullpen, and uh, th- that's the relief pitchers for Justin. Uh, sure you know that. But, <laughs> and uh, there are three of you that don't listen. Just, but just, just in case. Uh, yeah. The but um, so something that Cora was willing to do, uh, knowing that he was going into the playoffs, that was the the biggest thorn in the side of the Red Sox. He decided to use his starters as his relief pitchers throughout the games, even if they were pitching the next day, it was more important to him to win the game that night than to be set up perfectly for the next day. 
So throwing the next day's starter in the middle of a game, and then, yeah, sure, he might have to take another day off before he can pitch again, but it was more important to win the game that night. And I think uh, there's a lot of different things going on with pitching in Major League Baseball, people starting with relievers and, and putting a starter in the middle of the game. And um, it's a big sabermetrics thing for that thing. But I, I think what Cora did that was different was he just didn't care about the game the next day. It was win this game tonight, we'll figure it out tomorrow. And um, I, I, I don't know. To, to me, that, that was really cool. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much Brad compares to that in terms of doing things that are different. I, I think I like the things that Brad does, but I don't know necessarily if there's anything that sticks out that's, um, uh, you know, so different that he does from other people. And we shoot a lot of threes, but so does everybody else. Well, one thing that I did catch from all the, the World Series stuff uh, actually is relevant to my interests in that there was this video of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird talking uh, about their historic rivalry, as it were, uh, before the game. Would you uh, think about th- that uh, video? Yes, yeah, so, uh, that, that was cool. And uh, they had uh, an- another night. They had Belichick did the intro, um, you know, for a Patriots fan. That's uh, Patriots born to me. Um MJ and Bird, though, was awesome. I, 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 I was actually – I didn't see it coming. I didn't know that it was coming. And when I saw it before the game, I was excited. Obviously, it makes sense. And, um, Magic Johnson is, you know, uh, ownership of the Dodgers, or at least part of the ownership team. I think he's, he might be even the majority owner. Um, but – and then and Larry. It, it was cool to see them digging at each other. And Larry, he, he didn't – you know, obviously, Larry's been a big part of the Pacers for the last 20-something years. Um, but – He still he's ours. Still, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and Magic made it that way, too. He says, oh, you're you because it's the Red Sox. He said, you're usually green and white, you know, and then they were arguing about the hardwood and the bad, you know, comparing the two. It was, it was definitely a cool, definitely a cool thing. And um, I don't know if they they may have released that they were going to do that beforehand, because I know they did with Belichick, but I didn't see it coming and definitely was a pleasant surprise. So back to basketball. Um, over the weekend, um, Tyron Lue fired by the Cavaliers. Um, they are not in a good place right now. The Cavs. Uh, I don't really think anybody thought it would be any different. I know. I know the Cavs were saying that they were still uh, the king of the East until somebody beats them. But uh, I think we all knew that was kind of uh, a little fool. They were right. They were right. Yeah. They were. They were. They were the king of the East until they beat themselves. And then they've been beaten, so uh, <laughs> beaten into bloody submission. So uh, Lou fired. I mean, what are your thoughts on Lou? I, I don't know if we ever really got to see how good of a coach he was with LeBron there, because we all know who was really in charge of that team. But um, you know, I, I mean, I was shocked that they let him go into the season. I'm actually shocked he didn't get fired last year when LeBron was still there. Um, you know, we had all those issues going on. I, I don't understand why they didn't make a move then, and then to bring him back for this season. And then fire him this many games in. I, I don't know what they were expecting. Did they? I, maybe the Cavs thought they were going to be a borderline playoff team, and they saw that that's not happening, and um, just jettisoned him now. It's pandering to the fan base, I think, because it's really the only thing that they can do. Uh, from what I hear, Lou's not into playing or being told who to play and play who he wanted to, which is also uh, rumored to be part of the decision. And you know, good for him. Uh, if, if you're going to make me 
be in that kind of a situation with $15 million of guaranteed salary hanging over his head, assuming that it's all guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Might not be. We don't, we don't we don't know the details of those contracts. But I'm assuming, you know, he's, he's definitely getting a hefty chunk of change with the amount of money he has left on his contract, no matter what's going on. So, I mean, for him, like he, he you know, Larry Larry Drew, the assistant coach that they are, are uh, trying to get to take up his mantle, is taking a very similar tack. And considering who we're talking about with uh, Dan Gilbert being being the owner in question, one of the NBA's worst owners, I think it's probably the right way to be dealing with it for both of them because now now we have Ty Lu who won't have to basically be remembered. Uh, for having a, a horrible record this season, his his win loss total will stay much better than it would have had he stuck out the whole season. Right. You know, so he'll have a much better better resume, as it were, if he ever goes looking for a head coaching job again, which I don't think is out of the question. It's going to be an uphill battle for him, I think, just because of that nebulous. We don't know what kind of a coach he really is, but he might get another retread, and this I think actually helps his case. And you know, some some love for former Celtics community used to be an associate coach for us. Um. Larry Drew, I, th- I believe he coached under um, uh, what's his face in Milwaukee. Um, Jason Kidd. Yeah, sorry, I have a mental box a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, he clashed with him there. Mm-hmm. So, so he he's not, you know, he wants to coach too, and I think that the the situation for him is. If he just takes on an interim coach this season, they can basically fire him at any time should they not like what he's doing, which is not out of the question. It would be a little bit ridiculous, but we are talking Dan Gilbert here. Um, it's not going to improve his chances of getting a head coaching job to add a bunch of losses to his resume. And they're not probably going to give him very much freedom if what I've been hearing about Ty Lue is true. Uh, so in, in that situation, I think he's making the right, right decision. Uh, probably they're just going to bring in some other – Retread, uh, which could bring us to another point of interest. <laughs> I know where we're going, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's probably the only coaching job this person could possibly get in the NBA, and he would deserve it. Uh, that would be one Rick Patino. What are your Richard thoughts about him? This is wild. And, and you know, like, I, I thought we were finally rid of this guy, like, with all this, <laughs> this stuff coming out of Louisville. And it's like, how could you yeah, have yeah. I mean, I, I suppose I figured he would end up in back in a college job, but at like a, you know, at, at like a small school somewhere or something, you know, like a, like a team that really has nothing to lose and everything to gain by having a coach that, I mean, obviously he was a good college coach, you know, but how cool would it be? We already despise the guys as it is. So how cool would it be? Rick Pitino was that coach. We could just pile it on. So our, our old pal Paul Pierce starting a uh, CBD vape pen company. Uh, I saw this on Twitter the other day. Um, uh, thoughts on your on cannabis use as uh, medicine in the NBA? Well, it's definitely medicine. I mean, this shit works. Uh, yeah. It's legal in every part of Canada, which we have a team in the NBA in, is completely legal there in every single way you want to use it, whether it's for medicine or for fun. Um, and in, I think it's 26 states now, um, medical, medical marijuana or cannabis or whatever you want to call it is also legal. So more than half of the states and one entire country that the NBA is in is okay with this. I, I really think it's time. 
uh, particularly with all the people, not just with the Celtics. Uh, you know, there's like I wrote an article on this pretty recently uh, about how Don Nelson is doing it. Uh, Glenn Big Baby Davis uh, is involved in a marijuana dispensary that almost got himself put into jail. Um, and, you know, like if so many NBA players are, are using it therapeutically at this point, you know, a lot of a lot of retired players, too, uh, for pain management, um, for anxiety, for a lot of a lot of different issues. I think it's time for the league to actually take a serious look at it uh, in, in terms of um, at least allowing players on teams uh, in jurisdictions where it is legal to consider using it. You know, I mean, I understand that there's there's still a little bit of gray area with a with a federal position still being that it is an illegal substance, but I don't expect that to last too much longer. What do you think? Yeah, I I, I think it's that's definitely at some point is going to be uh, you know federally legalized and. It, uh, I think not only the NBA, but the NFL and, and the NHL and MLB, any other league that wants to use it is going to be tied to whether it's federally legal in the U.S., unfortunately. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Aaron Baines made his return last night. Um, he says he's 100, but dice out indefinitely. Um, we're definitely in need of the big man. Um, Tice's injury is obviously, um, according to him, torn something in his plantar um Something. Uh, he's going to be in a walking boot for a couple fashion. weeks. Right. Um, so he is in a walking boot for a couple weeks, but it looks like he won't be out for, you know, we're not talking like half the season here, but it, it could be obviously a month or more. Um, and definitely it, it seems like they're really being really, uh, be. yeah, it seems like they're being really, really generous with, with how short they think it's going to be like two weeks, two weeks in a walking boot. And then I guess maybe another week or two after that. Um, I've been seeing things more like mm-hmm. six to eight weeks for this kind of injury. Even getting it back in January would be a reasonable, uh, better than what we thought. I mean, after seeing the guy go down last year, I, I immediately thought we had another problem like that. So if it's a couple of months, I think it, I'd rather have him for the stretch run anyways. Um, but certainly a blow anyways, though. Uh, but in on the hindsight, maybe we see more Robert Williams, um, you know, add, get he'll get he'll get the call. We'll, we'll see a little Yabelli. Everyone's going to be excited about that. Um, you know, but it, it'll give those guys an opportunity to get uh, to have a role, at least for the foreseeable future. He's looking pretty good pretty early. I mean, he put on that, that dunk party uh, the game before last and in the first Detroit game. Um, he only got a couple like maybe I think just like a, a minute maybe in this most recent Detroit game. But I mean, even even when he's only in for a couple minutes, and doesn't have time to get a rhythm. He seems like he belongs. You know, he looks like he knows the rotations. He, he's pretty solid on defense. And this is already you know, not even three weeks into the season. So I'm pretty optimistic that by, by the time of the all-star break, you should be able to play some significant minutes. No, certainly. And I, and I think, but so at least there's an opportunity to play more. Um, yeah. If there's any you know, positive, got to type being out. Um, so looking back the last week off with a versus Orlando, uh, not ideal. Um, it came down to the end and uh, they lost three ninety. Um, then we went in a big, huge win at OKC. I think that was a monstrous confidence booster. Um, and then the back-to-back wins at Detroit. What, what do you think um, sparked the aggressiveness? Or I think losing a lot of games is what sparked that. Uh, everyone, you know, me, you, uh, just about every Celtics beat writer, just about every Celtics fan was talking about how there was basically no action in the paint whatsoever. And, like, one thing that stuck out with me um in recent games is that seems to be a point of emphasis uh along with open players taking their shot which is exactly 
what people have been talking about. There's still a little bit of rust that I've been seeing uh, in, in terms of just communication. Uh, the defense has been great. I mean, even even Gordon Hayward, uh, who I had real concerns about his lateral movement early on, has almost immediately catapulted. I think he's like number the number four uh, defensive rating in the league right now. So uh, all those concerns are completely obliterated. And uh, not to jump ahead, but uh, Kyrie's looking pretty good, too. Yeah, 31, 5-5 five and five last night. Um, he looks like his old self now. He's certainly getting his legs back. What do you think about the, the close games that we've had? We've had a couple of blowouts, um, or a blowout, with, with the first Detroit game. The, the OKC game was, was kind of close. Closer really than than ended up looking uh, at the end. And this Detroit this Detroit team, it's kind of hard to gauge exactly how back the Celtics are. I mean, they look really good. And Detroit and to a lesser extent Oklahoma City should be good teams, but Detroit is doing much better than we anticipated, and Oklahoma City is doing much worse than we anticipated. So. I don't know. What do you think? Do you do you think that we're getting ahead of ourselves by proclaiming that, that the Celtics are, are are you know quote unquote the Celtics, or do we do we are you seeing anything that still needs work? So I I think there's obviously a lot of things that we still need to round out, but uh, at the same time, those are quality wins over Detroit. Um, it seemed like we kind of humbled them on Saturday night with that game. And then last night they came back, and yet we still fought them off in a close game late. Uh, it was nice to see Jalen make a big shot at the end there. Uh, he had a he had a nice offensive game last night. Um, but yeah, I, I I still think there's a lot of work to do. But since we're playing defense the way we want to play defense right now, I think that's most important that everyone's on the same page there. And I think the offensive games will mesh together as we go along. Um, and you know, really the whole team rounds out that way. Um, the close games are important. Uh, obviously, the loss to Orlando was a tough one to swallow, but fighting off a, a close game at OKC and then again last night with Detroit closing those games out, I think it's important no matter who you're playing to be able to do that, just like the loss to Orlando was important in the other way of not being good. So I think it's good that they worked that stuff out. Um, obviously, huge game coming up on Thursday against uh, Milwaukee, still undefeated with uh, Giannis, who looks like early MVP favorite. What do you think? They dropped a game. They are they are currently, I think, well, no, they are undefeated. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking they? Toronto. No, yeah. no. It's, they're definitely still undefeated. They may not be uh, undefeated <laughs> by, by Friday, uh, depending on whether Giannis gets out of the... Uh, you, did you hear anything about that? About Giannis' uh, situation with getting elbowed in the head against Orlando over the weekend? Uh, he's in the concussion protocol last I heard. I did not check this morning to see if he is emerging from it uh, or if there's any news, but usually these things take long enough where I think he's probably going to miss the game anyway. Obviously, if Giannis isn't playing, that would be... Uh, you know. Huge, but I, I have to play them in the playoffs at some point, and I, the more games we get against them, the more we can figure out how to defend a guy like that who's practically unguardable. So following Milwaukee, we've got Indiana on Saturday. Uh, Indiana's definitely um, uh, kind of a trap game here. I, that could go I, – I don't know. I'm, I don't really know what to expect coming out of them. Um, Denver, 
coming out of the gates really good so far this year. They're five and one. Um, they're only trailing Golden State out west. We've got them on Monday night, so that'll be an interesting game. We get to see our old pal Isaiah um, in Denver, so there'll be no tribute video there. Um, guys, we want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, be sure to check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. We got a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our store, and you can even get tickets to the next game under that heading. You can find the pod on Wooshka, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and most podcatcher apps. Podcatcher apps. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to rate us five stars. If you don't like something or have a suggestion, make sure you let us know in the comment on any Celtics Life article or on Twitter with the hashtag CLPod. We're always trying to give you guys the Celtics coverage you want the way you like it. Happy Halloween, everybody. And from me and Justin, we'll catch you guys next week. Later.